The L.A. Clippers concluded their five-game East Coast road trip with a one-point loss to the Indiana Pacers. What went wrong in the fourth quarter that allowed the Pacers to score 38 points? And how was the road trip overall? And how was the year overall for the Clippers of 2022? As we close out the year on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers. Your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I am your host, Darian Vaziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. And, of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel known as Dime Dropper for more NBA Clipper and L.A. sports content. For today's final episode of 2022, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Make sure to place all your bets. You can even find podcasts on there on betonline.net. For today's episode, Clippers close out the five-game road trip against the Indiana Pacers, the team in which Ivica Zubats had 31 points and 29 rebounds against a couple of weeks back. And Miles Turner and the crew took it quite personally because this was a tough game, an exciting game. But the Clippers would ultimately fall short 130 to 131 and end the road trip two and three, which I'm a little disappointed with. I'm not going to lie. I wanted three and two. It would have been really nice to say we're 22 and 16 going back home for this Miami game, but we are not. We are 21 and 17. We went under 500 in this road trip. All the losses coming to teams that are doing well this season. Obviously, Philly and Boston, two of the best teams in the East, two of the best teams in the league. Indiana has been one of the surprises, if not for me, actually. They've been the most surprising team of the season. And really what they do is it's the Tyrese Halliburton show. And they have shooters and some good length and youth around him. But Tyrese Halliburton, I counted today, he's played in 35 games out of 37 for Indiana. And without him, they're one and one. But he has been the anchor. He carries this offense in pick and roll. Does such an amazing job. So let me know today, going into the new year, what's the one adjustment? And don't give me a trade. What's the one adjustment with this current roster that the Clippers need to make? So I'm going to be talking about everything uh, let's start with the fact that the way the Clippers lost this game was defense. The Clippers are top five in the league in defensive rating. And by the way, I think that's, I hope that number starts to drop because I don't think it's accurate. I think that well, it's statistically accurate, but I don't think the Clippers actually play top five defense in the NBA. I think that because Ty Lue is very persistent with the three guard set in which we saw a ton of today without Nico Batum, a ton of, a lot of John Norman and Kennard sharing the court, and even Reggie Kennard and Norman sharing the court for large stretches. Paul George was playing center again today for large stretches. And when I say play center, I mean just being the tallest guy on the court. You're basically playing with no center. That does not optimize defensively what the Clippers can do. Offensively, you have shooters around and you have threats around. But defensively, they can target two or three of those guys in pick and roll to try to get good looks. And until the Clippers lean into the wing-heavy concept, that means more Terrence Mann, that means more Robert Covington, then I think this team will be held back from winning a championship, point blank. Now, I've never said fire Ty Lue. I've never said that I think Ty Lue won't get it right. I think he will. But his comments in the post-game presser today concern me. Now, 
mind you, the Clippers started out very lethargically in this game. I thought that they were lazy. thought the Pacers threw the first punch. No Nico Batum in this game. But the North, that doesn't change the starting lineup for the Clippers. I thought Paul George came out pretty sloppy with the ball. The Clippers had seven turnovers in the first quarter. Paul George was in charge of three of those. And they were just unforced, terrible passes, in my opinion, from Paul. And Kawhi wasn't really that aggressive in the first quarter. The Clippers were down by 10 after one, and the simple fix was to stop turning the ball over and letting this young team get out and run and take advantage of that. Second quarter, you saw better. The Clippers outscored the Pacers by three, 33 to 30, but they never quite closed the gap. And the lineup today off the bench, you saw Norman Powell, you saw John Wall, you saw Luke Kennard, the three guards. But Robert Covington actually played. For the first time in a long while, and since the garbage minutes against Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken, Robert Covington actually played because Nico Batum was out. He only played in the first half, though. Played nine minutes. I thought was okay. He shot one three. Didn't make it, but he got two free throws, got two rebounds. There was one time where he got blown by by TJ McConnell, but luckily TJ McConnell missed the layup. Then I have to say, TJ McConnell had a great impact off the bench for the Pacers today. I thought Aaron Neesmith, that was formerly of the Boston Celtics, which who I got to watch a pretty decent amount. Um, you know, because my first year doing dime dropper, I covered the Celtics since I went to UMass. And he seemed like a totally different player, like a completely transformed player with just a whole new set of confidence. He had 16 points on six for nine shooting. But overall, I thought, you know, John Wall, Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard wasn't hitting in the first half. John Wall came out and they were initially just sagging off of him. And Paul George and Kawhi were being staggered again. So they were attracting a lot of attention, and they were sagging off John Wall. And in the beginning, I was like, man, if John Wall doesn't shoot those open shots or attack the space in front of him when he's open, he shouldn't be playing. Because defensively, he doesn't do anything too crazy to warrant it. But then he made a three, made a jumper, so he hit two shots. It was okay. I also thought somebody who played really well in this game overall, not just the first half of the game, was Marcus Morris. And he did it on both ends. I thought he shot well. He was 5 for 11 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3. It is a little disappointing when you remember that he was, I believe, 5. He was 4 for 4, I know for a fact. So that means he went 1 for 7 the rest of the way. But I do think that there were, especially in the fourth quarter, he shot a big shot late in the game and opened 3 off really good ball movement. But he hadn't shot in a while. So I didn't expect him to make that. He's a rhythm player. Needs to be consistently getting shots for him, you know, to make a big shot like that sometimes. But I thought he did his part. Played 29 minutes, three for five from deep. You get 15 points on efficient shooting. And he had some really good moments in help defense. I actually thought senior, as crazy as this sounds, I think Marcus Morris Sr. was the best defender of the starters for the Clippers today, which is precisely a reason why the Clippers lost. I thought Paul George was lazy on defense in the first half. Um, I thought there were a couple of times when he turned the ball over, he didn't even hustle back. And then Kawhi Leonard, I went the whole game, correct me if I'm wrong, Clipper Nation, but I went the whole game without saying good defense, Kawhi. Like, I don't remember him guarding Halliburton at all. I don't remember him having a big steal or a block or anything of that nature. He had two steals, though, in this game, zero blocks. But I just don't remember saying good defense, Kawhi. Now, that being said, we go into the second half, and it's another good third quarter for the Clippers. The third quarter... Kawhi Leonard got way more involved. And mind you, Paul George started cooking in the second. And he was getting some loud boos today in the beginning of the game. Uh, louder than what I remember from his visits back to Indiana. But in the second quarter, Paul George had, I believe, like 15 points. I'm going to look it up right now. PG had 12 points in the second quarter. Clippers cut it down to five. But one thing that really pissed me off was when Paul was hot in the second quarter, Reggie went to two plays with him handling the ball 
right after. Right after Paul had just hit some mid-ranges, some threes. He was scoring in every single way. Reggie Jackson comes down, runs a pick and roll with Zoo, turns the ball over, and on the very next play after the Pacers score, he he or I'm sorry, after the Clippers get a stop, he tries to go one on, you know, one on one when we have Kawhi and Paul out there. So feeding the hot hand as a point guard, you need to be wary of this. And Reggie Jackson, that was poor decision making. But going into the second half, I still thought the game was right there. I thought Ivica Zubats in the first half was struggling, just a little slower again today, but also because Miles Turner his ability to stretch the floor as a stretch five makes it so that the Pacers are running high pick and roll with nobody in the paint. The whole paint is open and the defense has to spread out, spread out. So Zubats was being drawn out of the paint and that was hurting him a bit. But the third quarter was another good third quarter for the Clippers. Third straight game on this roadie may have been fourth. Honestly, I'd have to go back to that. Actually, I think the Pistons game, the Clippers played like trash in the third, but I can't remember. I know for a fact though, good third quarter against Toronto and against Boston. It was a good one too. 38-31 in the third for the Clippers, and it was because of Kawhi. Clippers were force-feeding him and against Andrew Nemhard, the rookie from Gonzaga, and he has a huge size advantage there. They were double-teaming that a lot in the first half, and the Clippers were getting a lot of looks, but there were still times where Kawhi was deep enough where he could still shoot over the top, and he was doing exactly that in the third. Clippers went down by 14, 71-57 early in the third, but after that, Kawhi got two and ones, mid-ranges, kicked to Paul George for the first of two consecutive threes by him. The defense was tightening up since they were getting since they were making shots and able to set their defense. Kawhi had 17 points in the third quarter. He woke up and hit a three late to tie it at 93. And finally in the third quarter, you saw Terrence Mann finally check into the game but here's the funniest part it wasn't for one of the guards it was for Rocco so Rocco didn't even play in the second half so now you had Terrence and Paul George out there alongside Luke Norman and John to start the fourth quarter Paul George as your center and mind you offensively it was working out okay because Paul George was getting a lot of attention they started blitzing him on pick and rolls too and Luke Kennard got two catch and shoot threes that he finally made in that fourth quarter because of it but overall they were still thin on defense. And slowly but surely, as that quarter went on, Miles Turner was taking advantage of the mismatch and getting layups against our smaller guys. And Reggie Jackson came in for John Wall around the nine-minute mark because John Wall, after making a floater for his third field goal, had two turnovers, one on a pass for a Terrence Mann lob, and I forget the other one, but Reggie came in. John's night came to an end. And I honestly think that was a good substitution by Ty in terms of taking John out. I think that was a, you know, 15 minutes, he played set. He uh, had seven points, three for five for the field, made his only three, sadly didn't get to the line, zero in the plus minus. So he broke even. He was okay. John, I think, was okay in this road trip last couple of games. But fourth quarter, the biggest problem was, again, Clippers are too small. Clippers are too small. And then when you have Luke Kennard and Reggie out there, it was the same thing. The Pacers clearly watched the Celtics game. They attacked Reggie Jackson in the pick and roll and Luke Kennard in the pick and roll. And they were getting good looks. And because Paul George starts the fourth quarter and started getting going, Kawhi only shot two times in the fourth. And it was kind of similar. It was almost the exact same situation to the Boston game. Kawhi only shot two times in the fourth. One of those was the three to try to tie the game when the Clippers were down three and he missed. And that was the, the end of it. But Tyrese Halliburton was just the dominant force in the fourth. I believe he had 17 points in the fourth alone. So even though the Clippers were tied going into the fourth and have the two best players allegedly on the court, it was Tyrese Halliburton that shined brighter than anybody in the fourth quarter and just dominated the game. 
What went so wrong defensively in that fourth quarter? What can the Clippers do better to fix it? Going to be talking about all that coming up. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still didn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today, the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. As you know, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your podcasting platforms, including YouTube, so make sure you subscribe. Apologies if my audio sounds a little less great as usual. I'm releasing this episode kind of fast because I want to make sure I get it out before the new year so you guys can listen before you get into your nighttime activities. But the Clippers losing this heartbreaker, which was right there for the taking. You know, the Clippers even led 125 to 123 late in the game. And I think one thing that I found interesting was, you know, Zubis having a tough night because of what I mentioned in the first segment of the Pacers really spreading him out with Miles Turner. And Miles Turner, he had a little revenge game. And he actually tweeted after the game, I took that personally, the Jordan meme. Because Zubats had 31 and 29 on his head a couple weeks ago in LA. Well, in this game, Miles Turner got his revenge. 34 points for him on 11 for 17 shooting, two for five from deep, but it was 10 for 10 from the line that really made the difference. And that's because when the Clippers went small and they switched on to Miles Turner, I mean, he's not a really a post up guy, but when you get deep enough and you're seven feet tall against a 6'2 guy, I mean, it's over at that point. So when the Clippers were going up a little bit because of the three-guard set was actually working because Paul George was just cooking up, you started to see them lose a little bit of the defense. And that was because of what I just said, Miles Turner on the paint, whatever, right? So Zubats actually comes in later in the game. And by the way, I also want to say one of the things that was working out so well in the beginning of the fourth offensively for the Clippers was Terrence Mann setting the screen for Paul George when teams don't switch that action and they blitz Paul George or even just hedge Paul George. Terrence Mann in that short roll is perfect and lets and does a great job with those four-on-three reads. He even found Norman Powell for a layup in that fourth quarter. Clippers were getting really good stuff out of that. There was even a time where Terrence went right to the rim, lowered that shoulder. You know how he does it. Goes right to the rim. And then all of a sudden he comes out, like for the last nine minutes of the game. No Rocco, no Terrence, keeping the three guards out there. It's mind-boggling to me. It's like mind-boggling to me. That, that tie keeps going to this. And I think it's, again, an offense approach. It's Luke Kennard is Luke Kennard. He's the best shooter we've got. It's Norman Powell is Norman Powell. He's the sixth man energizer. But golly, the Clippers need to be defensive-minded. What I feel like I'm saying the same thing every game. And I don't think that it's only because of Ty Lue's rotations and lack of playing Terrence Mann for the millionth time that the, why the Clippers lost the game. 
Kawhi Leonard had zero points in the fourth quarter. But part of that is because Paul George was hooping. So that bodes another question. Because of the way the Clippers have staggered this lineup so far, Paul George begins the fourth quarter, right? So when Paul George begins the fourth quarter, he plays the whole fourth quarter. So when PG's playing the whole fourth quarter and he's gotten himself in a rhythm early in the quarter, Kawhi's not just going to come in and hijack that. Paul George is going to be in rhythm and he's going to want to keep going. But with Paul George, again, I'm going to keep saying it. He's great, but he's not a number one on a championship team. And tonight was not an example of why, but he, he makes careless decisions and he's loosey-goosey with the ball. Kawhi Leonard, on the other hand, is a Terminator killer. Been there, done that, you know, won a championship as the finals MVP. I want the ball in his hands late, but when Paul George has it going, it's hard to say, give it a Kawhi and stop going to the hot hand. So that's something to consider. Do you think the Clippers should switch up the, the stagger and have Kawhi play the whole fourth and Paul George play the whole third? Because Kawhi ends up playing the entire third, sits the beginning of the fourth. Paul George sits the end of the third and he plays the whole fourth. So what happens is Kawhi only shot two shots. But there was one play where Kawhi attracted extra attention, made a really great pass to Paul George, who hit a three and put the Clippers up 123 to 121. Now, Ty Lue at the three minute and 47 second mark, he made the change because he saw Luke Kennard was getting attacked on defense. He took Luke out and put Senior in. He took Norman out and put Zoo in. So it was the starters. It was just the starting lineup in there, which was okay. But again, you know what they're going to do. They started attacking Zoo and Reggie in the pick and roll. And I will say, Zoo might get some blame for this game because I don't think he was as strong as usual. But I think when Reggie and Kennard are guarding the pick and roll with Avicii Zubats and they're not doing a good job of getting over the screens, Zoo is made to look bad because his man is scoring, but he needs to show on the ball handler. He can't just guard two people at once all the time. He needs his, you know, the guy that's chasing the screener over to be at least in his rear view. When he's when Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard are behind the play out of it off after a screen, Zubats has to guard two guys at once. You need a rotation. If the ball gets if Zoo steps up to the ball handler and it's dropped off to who Zoo's guarding initially, then you need a rotator. There was one time where Paul George just didn't rotate at all. But then there was another time where a couple plays later, Marcus Morris Sr. rotated and forced a miss. So the fact that I'm saying Marcus Morris Sr. was doing the right thing and Paul George wasn't is, is pretty rare. But that's just an example of one thing. I don't think Zubats had a terrible game. And I think Zoo and Reggie actually had some decent moments guarding that pick and roll with Halliburton and Turner late. But Halliburton just made some amazing plays. you got to give it to that guy. He's really carrying this team offensively. He was amazing in the fourth quarter. He made an amazing three, snaking the pick and roll to put the Pacers up 121 to 120. As I said, Kawhi then found Paul George for the go-ahead three. And then Tyrese did the same thing. Reggie Jackson, Zoo pick and roll. You know, I mean, again, though, sometimes this makes me think that Reggie shouldn't be playing late in the game. If you really want to put teams in hell defensively, it's Nico, who wasn't healthy tonight. I get it because the sprained ankle. But it's Nico, Kawhi, Paul George, Terrence Mann, and either Norman, Rocco, or Senior. One of those three. Or you can have Zoo in there. And then just switch everything else. Switch one through four, and then Zoo can play the pick and roll and drop. And here's the thing. When Zubats has, is playing pick and roll with Kawhi, Paul, or Terrence guarding the ball, he doesn't have to step up so much because they have length that they're, they're getting over screens and actually showing a hand in the rear view of whoever's having the, who has the ball in his hands. So when Zoo has length with him, 
He doesn't need to step up so much. So that's an adjustment the Clippers need to make. There's no re- – I'm going to keep saying it. Actually, I'm going to sound frustrated. and You're going to say stop crying, whatever. I've been saying the same thing since week one. I was going and filling um, in some timestamps for ad reads yesterday, and I was had to you know unintentionally listen to some of the stuff I was saying like the first week of the season, and I was saying more Terrence Mann, less small guards from the beginning. So the fact that we're 38 games games in and we don't we haven't really seen a change is a concern. But regardless. The Marcus Morris Senior 3 that could have put the Clippers up two when the Clips were down 125-126 was a great look. As I said, he just had been a while since he had shot, so I did not expect him to make it. Actually, no, it wasn't a while since he had shot. He shot at the 327-minute mark. I don't even remember that three. So honestly, he probably should have made it. <laughs> he probably should have made it. It had been three minutes, though, which can feel like a long time when the game is stopping, but... He probably should have made it. It is what it is, though. It happens. You just miss shots. And then Clippers are down by three. Kawhi gets a decent look at the three and misses, and that was the game. So 131 to 130 is the final. Coming up, going to be looking at the road trip overall and talking about what, like, the year ahead, honestly, and the year that passed in Clippers basketball. Let's close out 2022 the right way here on Locked on Clippers coming up. You ever lose track of what you're subscribed to and what you're not? Nowadays, less more people are canceling cable and watching thing, watching their TV on just streaming sites everywhere. But sometimes you forget what you are still subscribed to and what not. And if your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, you need Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on or that free trial that you never even used. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lockedonnba. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockedonnba, rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. All right, let's close this out. So before we finish off on this Pacers game, in which, in my opinion, the key to the game was the defense wasn't good. Kawhi needs to get more looks in the fourth. But when you concede 30-plus points in every single quarter, that's going to be an issue. You're not going to win games. When you allow 38 points in the fourth quarter on the road, you are very, very, very unlikely to win games in the NBA. And that's what happened with the Clippers tonight. And if the defense is going to be what this team makes their identity on, they need to lean into the wings. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep saying it. What John Wall's addition did, I understand the concept, but the reason why I wasn't high on it was because it just gave the Clippers another guard. And right now we were right. Whoever said the Clippers are going to have too much depth for their own good. We're right right now. They are right. There's no arguing it because Ty Lue has not figured out the way to maximize this team when everyone's healthy. And you know, when they're not, I think the Clippers are okay. Even though I still think Terrence Mann should have been playing more, but now that the Clippers are healthy and he actually has to make decisions on who to play and who not to, he's not doing a good job so far. Does this mean he's a bad coach? No. Does this mean he should be fired? No. Does this mean he's still not one of the best coaches the Clippers have ever had in franchise history? No, he still is. But I'm disappointed in his post-game response today. They asked him, you know, what about Terrence Mann? So, 
Here's what he said to that. Here is what he said to that. Uh, Andrew Greif, or Grief of the LA Times, sorry if I mispronounced your name, buddy, said, ask Ty Lue what Terrence Mann's role is when the team is back to full strength after he didn't play in the first half but featured prominently in the small lineups in the second half, and he said, I don't know. Basically said, I'm still trying to figure out how to maximize the small ball units. To maximize the small ball units, you need Terrence Mann. And something I forget about Terrence Mann, I always talk about him guarding the ball and perimeter players. But one thing I forget, and when I watch games, I'm reminded of it, is how many games we've been in where he has to get switched onto a center and does a great job running because to throw it over the top, Terrence has bounce and long arms. He can get those passes. He still makes life tough sometimes on bigs. So he just does so much for those small ball lineups. And if you really think back to the best Clipper runs in recent years in the Ty Lue era, especially that 2021 playoffs, the small ball lineups with Terrence Mann were when the Clippers had the most success. Point Game six. The curse breaker game. That was a Terrence Mann game for a reason. It wasn't just the offense that he was making threes. It was his defense. So, again, my New Year's resolution is that Terrence Mann needs to play more and the Clippers need to stop the three-guard set. But I don't think it's going to change the way it's going, the way Ty Lue is being. So we just got to hope for the best. Let's let's keep it – let's put it in perspective. As, as for the year, I want to say a couple things before we end it. 2022 was a decent year in Clipper basketball. Majority of it was spent without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the b- majority of the year, the 2022 season, was a year where the Clippers were trying to push for the playoffs just in case Kawhi came back, and it never really happened. So overall, we didn't really learn anything last season. It was just kind of a fun year with no expectations. And when you have a fun year with no expectations, it can take pressure off a coach like Ty Lue. Now he has to actually be held to a championship coach-level standard in which you know he's coming come into L.A. with championship pedigree, having won with Cleveland. Now, that championship, it was very close to not being won. I mean, 3-1, Draymond Green suspension, Kyrie Irving sidestep three, LeBron and Kyrie playing some of the best three games, maybe the best three-game stretch from a duo in finals history. So it was a lot that went on for that one chip. Ty Lue is now, with, with the expectations of a champion again, has every single decision being monitored. So... 21 and 17 at this stage of the season and sixth in the West now fallen behind Dallas and Sacramento, even though they're also four games over 500, we've just played more games is not good enough. It's not good enough. I think the road record is good 10 and 10, but the home record is no good. And if we look at the actual team, there's obviously some context to why the record is like this. Paul George has played in 27 games out of 38. So he's, he's missed 11, which I don't mind. Again, if Paul George plays 60 plus games, that's what he wanted before the season. That's good. Kawhi Leonard has played in 15 games out of 38. So he's missed 23 already. So 23 games already means that the most he can play is 59. And he's not going to play every other game. So I, I, honestly for Kawhi, if he plays over 50 games, that would be great. That would be absolutely great. But the Clippers schedule is not going to be easy going forward. It's going to get tougher. The West is very close. The bright side is Kawhi Leonard is starting to be himself. He's averaging 17 points now. He was around 13 for the longest time. He is shooting 28% from three now. So a couple of weeks ago, he was just at 13. Now he's at 28%. Shooting 48% from the field. He's already passed Paul George in field goal percentage at this point. And Norman Powell is also playing really well. And Paul George is also playing better of late. So that's good. I mean, the Clippers have been playing better of late. 
And the fact that they went on a five-game road trip and got some really good East Coast teams like Philly and Boston, those matchups out the way is great. But this year overall has been okay for the Clippers. It's been fun for me as a fan. And the biggest honor is to take over this podcast for you guys. Like, I mean, that's that's something to acknowledge. You know, Clippers aside, me being able to do this is is quite the pleasure and honor. And, and I, I don't take it for granted at all to talk about my favorite team like this. I just expect a little more. And I think in 2023, it's safe to say we should expect a little more. As far as the 60-win pipe dream that I – said in the beginning of the season, that's obviously done and was stupid of me to even say. For the Clippers to get 60 wins now, they'd have to go <laughs> 39 and 5 for the rest of the season. So that's not going to happen. But can they go 31 and 13 to get 52 wins? Because it seems like 90 percent, 95 plus percent of NBA teams in 80 plus game seasons won 52 games or more when they won the championship. The most notable Obviously, the two teams that were below the three seed that won, the, the 69 Celtics and the 95 Rockets, but also the 79 Sonics, 78 um, Bullets, 77 Blazers, 76 Celtics, and 75 Warriors, where I think all 54 wins and under. So that was an interesting period. It was also a weird time in the NBA. But I think the target number for the Clippers to finish top three is 52 wins. And to do that, they got to go 31 and 13 in the second half of the season. Or should I say from this point forward? Can we do that? I think we can. But two things need to happen. Clippers got to stay healthy with Kawhi and Paul. And they got to lean into the wing-heavy approach. Simple as that. That's all I got for that. As far as the road trip, I it wasn't great to me. I think if the Clippers had won this game, it would have been great. One game can make the difference. But I really wish everyone a happy New Year's. 2023, guys. Is this going to be the year the Clippers do it? Is this going to be the best year of our lives? the best year of our lives as fans for some, if the Clippers win a championship, maybe that'll just make it the best year of your life. If you're that big a fan, it means that much to you. I don't know if it will to me because 2019 was a pretty fun year for me in my personal life and a fun year for the Clippers. Cause we got Kawhi and had that great fun 2019 team, but man, this gotta be the best year in Clipper history, right? It's not going to be the best record, which sucks. I wanted it to be best regular season and playoffs, but it's not due to the state of our players. 31 and 13. I'm hoping that's the case from this point forward. 2023, New Year is upon us. Is it going to be the year that we hoist that trophy? Well, one step at a time. It's an honor and pleasure to bring you these podcasts. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, remember to subscribe to my own podcast and YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I just go all out about NBA, LA sports, and the Clippers. And of course... Remember to comment on today's pin question. What's the biggest adjustment the Clippers got to make heading into the new year that doesn't involve trades or a coaching change? The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers. Have a great, great, and safe new year. Don't drive drunk.